the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. Thank you, the listeners, for continuing to rock with us. This is the Week 6 Locks edition of the podcast. Uh, That's Tom Fernelli. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. We've got, uh, in addition to, of course, our full platter of locks, I want to let the listeners know that we will be back Opening up that listener mailbag, we loved answering your questions on Saturday night in our Instant Reaction podcast. The way that you can submit, the way that you can uh, come get involved with our Saturday night Instant Reaction shows, you head on over to our Apple podcast page or wherever you get the Cover 3 podcast, leave a five-star review, and then also uh, friendly comments. Nice, not ne- not needed, but also uh welcomed and then whatever uh your your question your comment uh, whatever you want to hear us either answer or banter about on saturday night once we're done uncorking our takes in the wee hours of the morning gentlemen how are we feeling chip don't you discourage friendly comments i need <laughs> i need all the emotional support i can get from our loyal listeners so tell us we're on. pretty please <laughs> <laughs> How we feel? Are we good? Good spirit about us today? Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> pretty good. Yeah. We had a winning week last week. Like I said, we would. And guess what? We're going to have another one this week. That's that's what I like to hear. Do, uh, you, like the, do you like the slate? Oh, I am. I am in my bag. You'll see. <laughs> wow. I don't. I don't. Well, excuse me. I, I don't feel as uh, as comfortable. I feel like there's some games that I'm interested in that I'm going to be watching intently that I did not put on my locks docket because I am uh, I feel I feel like I'm going to get some interesting data this week that will help me project some teams moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I I'll be honest with you. I'm a little bit nervous about the slate this weekend. So uh, this will be interesting to see what uh, what comes out of the quiver. For the lock spot i'm not quite sure as we go into this thing i've got my standard eight and then one extra sitting out there i've got what's become my standard nine okay barton are you thin um let's see i've got one two three four five six seven eight i got ten that'll probably be whittled down to like seven okay All right. i've got nine that could be whittled up to eleven <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, quick review of the week five results. Um, it was a, it was a good week for me. I was I was excited to be able to get things back, get my season total back over five hundred. The wins were Notre Dame minus twelve and a half. I mean, gentlemen, let's we, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and play it now because it's just so much fun. Our lock unity 
of Arizona State. Plus five. Smashing. Great. I mean, that was, that was probably when we knew that it was going to be a solid week for the, the syndicate when that lock unity hits on Friday night. Arizona yeah, State okay. gets it done on the field. Uh, Baylor plus three is a win. UConn plus 44, thanks to 21 unanswered points at the end of the rivalry game, civil conflict. Uh, Michigan minus 27 and a half and the over 49, that double team won. And UNC plus 27. Damn near got it done on the field. My lone loss was under 47 in Auburn, Mississippi State. Auburn's offense, uh, that was... That was me going that was against a quick loss. Yeah, it was a quick loss. That was me <laughs> going against Barton's Mississippi State overs principle, and I think I took the L on that one. Seven and one on the week, twenty-one and twenty on the season. Barton, uh, we mentioned Arizona State. He took a loss in the under fifty-four in Memphis Navy. Um, we got our wins were Oregon State plus four and a half. Though they almost got it done on the field for Jonathan Smith. Auburn minus 10.5, never really a doubt. Washington minus 10.5, maybe a little bit sweatier than it should have been. Indiana plus 14. A loss for Wisconsin minus 24. Uh, a, and then a push for the over 41 in Arizona State Cal. So you got a good number with that Arizona State Cal game. I was thinking, I mean, early in the week it was 40. I was thinking if I just if I had locked it up a couple a day or so early at 40 then i would have had a win did that did that get higher than that by game day uh no i think it was actually down to 40 and a half yeah i got i got i got uh i got screwed there i I almost almost won that one rough hey you know it's it's whatever time you walk to the window we just happened to go we go to the window about 9 a.m eastern time on thursdays uh five two and one on the week 24 14 and three i mean that's the that's the kind of record that you brag about uh, so far this season. So we'll stay focused. Tom was five and four. The wins were Arizona State plus five, a lock agreement uh, with Chip on the Baylor plus three. The under 51 in Kentucky, South Carolina. South Carolina under still smashing. Mm-hmm. Under 60 and a half in Kansas State, Oklahoma State. And then UCLA plus six and a half. That one uh, almost got dang- that That was kind of spicy there for a little bit what was it it was a field goal that we needed because the field goal meant that ucla was going to lose by three and we were in danger of that thing going to overtime right yes yeah that's right uh the loss under 60 in arkansas state troy what was that final score tom 103 to 96 (laughs) (laughs) nc state plus seven uh that's that was a disappointing performance for the wolf pack down in tallahassee and then the under 48 and a half in UNLV Wyoming. And then Wazoo plus six is a loss. Five and four on the week, 23 and 24 on the season. Whew. Ready to ready to uh to keep this winning going? Oh yeah, we were up 10.3 units last week. All right, y'all ready to lock it up? Let's go. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. Okay. Um, you know, nor- normally I try and uh, 
I, I try and pass this off, but I, I guess I just got to take a step forward. It's uh, it's my honors on the tee box, and I'm going to get it started on Thursday night, get it out right here at the beginning of the show for uh, for yeah. the early birds. Um, I'm going to go to Greenville, North Carolina, where, guys, it is, it's going up to 98 degrees today. Whew. It is hot. It is humid. And I think that we've got the makings for a hot and humid over as Temple comes to town to play the Pirates. Our number, as I'm seeing it right now, is around 47 and a half. And if things get a little crampy, if those defenses start to get a little tired, I know that Anthony Russo can hit a explosive play from time to time. It's not really in Temple's mentality, but it could happen. And ECU, man, they they need a, a strong performance for the home crowd in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Uh, my my ECU well placed source has he keeps texting me. He says Pirates are due, baby. The Pirates are due. And I think that if ECU is going to make this a game, it's probably because the game got a little loose. I think that that all cooks together into a great opportunity uh, for us to jump on a hot and humid over. So I'm going Temple ECU over 47 and a half. I appreciate you for giving us some Thursday night fodder. Uh, that said, I got I got no opinion. <laughs> I I like. I mean, East Carolina has been a very reliable under team so far this year. But yeah, when when you're talking about temperatures like that, man, it's it's hot, man. It's that, miserable outside. Yeah, um, that's, whew, that's I don't want to play football in that. No, not, is this what we want football to be <laughs> on October third? Please, no. Uh, Barton, to you. Okay, I guess I'm gonna go with. Um, that Iowa Michigan game to start. This has been a tough. I've, I've wrestled with this throughout the week. I, I I think Iowa's the better team. I think Iowa likely wins this game. They're a road underdog, um, and I, I was surprised to see Michigan a favorite in this spot. That said, I've I mean I probably should just play it, but I've gotten a little bit scared off as the week has progressed. And I think a lot of, I think Vegas really likes Michigan for some reason, and they haven't really fully adjusted. We saw that against Wisconsin. I didn't think they were a better team than Wisconsin. And they, but all the, like, you know, Kenny White, who we do on the HQ hits, was was all over Michigan in that game. Um, and I just didn't see it. And I think this is still the Vegas kind of feeling on Michigan a little bit. But I, I but I'm just scared of Michigan at home here, and I'm scared that I, you know, I wasn't exactly the most trustworthy team in the country either in, in these sort of spots. So here's what I am more confident in. I, I think that, you know, I know that Iowa has one of the most efficient defenses in the country. They keep everything in front of them. They make you drive the field. Michigan is a, a defense that is going to have something to prove after that Wisconsin game. While Iowa's offensive line may be actually better than Wisconsin's offensive line, they don't have the explosive running back that Wisconsin has. I, I just think this one has the makings of a low-scoring, grinded-out affair. I don't think I, it's in Iowa's DNA to let this thing start to sort of get away from them from us on the scoreboard. So I'm playing under in Iowa-Michigan, 47.5, I think is the number. I think, I think staying away from Iowa is the smart thing to do. 
Yeah, like, I I love your your pick and your mentality. I'm not going to lock it up, but I I think that that's the right side. And I apologize. I don't think anybody actually follows all the different picks that we're asked to give on cbssports.com and CBS Sports HQ, but I've flip-flopped all over this. On Tuesday, <laughs> I was saying Michigan. On Wednesday, I was saying Iowa. Who knows what Darst put me in for on the grid online, but uh, yeah, I I understand your consternation, and I think under, especially with that noon start, big yeah. noon Saturday, big nude Saturday, big nude Saturday. Let's let's get because, some good running and punting. Because I think if 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 I trust one side of the ball for Michigan to get it figured out, I trust the defense, and I don't still don't necessarily trust the offense just because they put up a big number against Rutgers, and and Iowa's kind of the same thing. Like Iowa probably should have lost Iowa State. They it's it's a good team, but it's still not an explosive team. So yeah, anyway, I think under is the I, under is the safest play of the th- of the four. I felt like I've been on. I'm not locking up anything in this game, but I felt like I've been on an island because I'm the only person I think that's taking Michigan in our expert picks and like you know doing Sportsline and HQ and all that stuff. Everybody's on Iowa. I think that this is a result of just everybody focusing on Michigan's problems and not thinking about the fact that Iowa is pretty much Michigan with lower expectations in that they beat up on teams they're supposed to beat up on and they struggle against teams they're you know like ranked teams they don't do well I mean since since 2010 as a road underdog Iowa is six and 13 against the spread as an underdog period it's 15 21 and two the Hawkeyes don't do well in these spots just like Michigan hasn't been doing well in these spots so that's why I'm staying away from the spread as a lock and I'm not in lock agreement with you but if I was doing anything in this game it would it would definitely be the under some encouragement but no follow all right Tom to you uh, for, for my first lock I will be staying in the same state as the Wolverines but moving lower, but uh, yeah, you know, in that region, <laughs> I'm taking the under 50 in Michigan state and Ohio state. This is just a game where these two teams, when they meet things tend to get ugly. I don't know if you remember last year's game, it was a 26 to six win by Ohio state. Drew Chrisman was the MVP of the game. He's Ohio state's punter. The only points that Michigan state scored, you know, were just, but we're on a short fields. I I just sit and look at this matchup and think that Ohio State has gotten so much love for all the right reasons because they have been an absolute wagon to start the season. But at some point, they're going to run into some trouble because they're not going to pitch a perfect game on the season. So I'm not comfortable taking them to cover the spread because I think that Going up against this Michigan State defense, it's far and away the best defense that Ohio State will have faced this year. So maybe this is the week Justin Fields and company finally run into some adversity. And I don't think they're going to lose this game because I I just don't think Michigan State is good enough offensively to solve Ohio State's defense. I think Michigan State's offense is doing a good job against mediocre to slightly above average defenses. But this Ohio State defense is a completely different animal. So when I look at these two defenses, which I've mentioned clearly already, Seems like there's going to be fewer points scored than you thought. And the last four meetings between these two teams, even when Ohio State blew Michigan State out 48-3 to the last time it was in Ohio Stadium, have all stayed under. In fact, the last four games at Ohio State between these two have stayed under. So when I look at this matchup on Saturday, yeah, Ohio State could win this game like, you know, 35-10 to to cover and still stay under. But I would rather be on the under than the Buckeyes laying the points. So I've got to play on this game too. 
Uh, it's not on the total. I, I hear what you're saying. Come on, Sparty. Um, and early in the week, I started to lean at Michigan State. And then I really started thinking about it. And and look, like part of me just thinks this is sort of a stay away game. But I just I really want to play this. <laughs> that's always they tell you that that's good betting <laughs> advice. Whenever your gut says, I just want in. No, I, I, I think I've like Michigan State. I get that this is a team that typically plays these games close and, and figures out a way to make them ugly and figures out a way to, um, to shorten the game and all that stuff. But I, I, I sort of sense that this Michigan State team is a little bit different. I don't think it's quite as good as their defense has led us to believe through the first half of the season. I mean, they're playing Tulsa, Western Michigan, Arizona State, Northwestern, Indiana. I mean, Western Michigan is the best offense in that group. That, I think Western Michigan put up like 17 against them. Um, Indiana last week put up 31 yep. with mm-hmm. uh, their starting left tackle, who's like an all-league guy injured, a true freshman starting. You know, Michigan State had 15, tackle, 15 sacks heading into that game, and Indiana held them to one. And Michael Penix completed like 20 straight passes at one point and was throwing it all over the yard. I still don't think the offense, I, I, while there's some guys I like, the Daryl uh, Stewart kid is is really good. Um, but is it Daryl Stewart or Daryl Henderson? No, you got it. Either way. It's yeah, Daryl yeah. Stewart. Daryl Henderson was the running back from Memphis last year. He's with the Rams That's right. now. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that, I mean, that dude's a competitor. I like him. But it's sort of a – like he's the only guy that really has that, a lot of juice in that offense. And so – I just look at Ohio State, and hey, I could see it being twenty-eight to three or something like to that effect. Or, or you know, I think the under could hit here, but I just think it's a big number that Vegas is is just daring us to play Michigan State with. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get sucked into it. I think Ohio State is that good. I think Michigan State is a little inflated because they haven't really played anyone, and I, I think Ohio State's gonna win by. More than twenty. Mm. I, I think that yeah, I I think that could happen and it could still stay under because I feel like if Ohio State does cover this spread, Michigan State's not going to score very many points. And we you meant like the offense has played well, but if you look like if you look at Football Outsiders' offensive line metrics, their line yards they rank the Michigan State offensive line ranks eighty fourth in the country. Yeah, because well, they yeah, can't they, gotta, they can't run the ball like there's yeah. there's an and offensive it's going against Ohio State. Yeah, there's an offensive identity crisis right now because Brian Lewerke leads the Big Ten in pass attempts, pass completions and passing yards. WTF. Mm-hmm. And let's be real. I mean, Michigan State certainly has had some real battles with Ohio State, but it hadn't been the last two years. I mean, right. That's what makes me so sad because from 2011 to 2016, six meetings, they were split. Ohio State three, Michigan State three, and the average margin of victory in those six games was five points. This was like the premier rivalry in the Big Ten and the last two years are starting to suggest it ain't anymore. Well, yeah, like I've mentioned on here before. I mean, we've seen Michigan State's peak. I don't think they're getting back there, at least not in this regime. Yeah, I mean... 26 to 6 and 48 to 3 the last two years. And that means nothing with regard to this year except that 
you know, Ohio State's going into this game, and and there's no longer this mystique to to Michigan State. I think they're going into this game thinking, let's go roll these guys up and move on to the next game. And, and I think Michigan State might not have the same kind of confidence that they had a couple years ago going into a game like this. All right, Tom, back to you. Okay, well, I will go for my next lock, the uh, CBS Game of the Week. I am taking Florida plus three, and again, I'm very much on an island from everything I've talked to about everybody else, what they think is going to happen in this game. But you know what? I feel pretty good about the Gators at home in this spot because... You know me, I'm the Bo Nix skeptic, and he had a great week last week against Mississippi State, but you know, there's a reason that Barton's principle this year is Mississippi State overs, and it's because that Mississippi State defense, not all that great, and I don't want to put too much stock into what Nix and the Auburn offense was able to do in that spot last week. And now they're going on the road to face a Florida defense and particularly a front seven that is one of the most disruptive front sevens in the entire country, one of the best pass rushes in the entire country. They're going to get Bo Nix scrambling anytime he goes back in the pocket. And yes, Bo Nix can run, so that's not a horrible thing for Auburn, obviously. But I think Florida's pass rush is going to be able to take away Auburn's passing attack, or at least the one that finally emerged last week. And I think that's going to make Auburn one-dimensional on offense yet again. And I think that Florida's defense will be able to do enough against the run game to keep to limit Auburn and its points. And I think that on the other side, Florida's offense, it's not great, but I don't think the drop-off, as we've talked about before, between Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask, if there is one that really exists, I think it's going to be difficult for Florida to run the ball, but Auburn, it doesn't, the, the defensive line has been great and they've been great against the run, but they haven't really had a tremendous pass rush that you can rely on. And I feel like if you're going to go on the road in a spot like this against another good team and pull off the upset, if you can't get after the quarterback, that makes it a lot more difficult to get the job done. So I think this is going to be a lower scoring close affair. So if you like the under, hey, I'm with you. It's just I would rather take the home team and the three points in this spot because honestly, I think Florida is going to win this game. So give me Florida. Give me the three points. Lock it up. I've got a play. Barton? Are, are, are you? I'm Auburn under. Okay. I'm, I, I understand that things went wrong against Mississippi State, but what is enhanced here is that Florida's offensive line has not been good. And uh, some of the some of the quotes and the commentary coming out of Gainesville this week suggests that like even Dan Mullen and, and even Florida's own offensive line are like, yeah, we're going to have to play our very best game of the season uh, to be – and just talking about the offensive line specifically – um, to be able to give Kyle Trask a chance. And so I think about Bo Nix in the swamp and you know how how Gus Malzahn might want to play that game. Then I think about uh, you know Kyle Trask and the Florida offense and and how just how much effort it's going to take to generate anything, any kind of consistency against that Auburn defensive front. I think I think the, both these coaches are down to play a little bit more of a conservative game and get it in the fourth quarter and just just kind of see whose athletes end up showing up. And so I'm I'm all over uh, this Auburn under. And I think what do I get it at? Forty eight and a half. All right. That's uh, what I'm 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am, I'm back on the Auburn train, you know, still, still the same principles of, you know, great defense and uh, a running game. So that means the clock's going to, you know, continue to just melt off the scoreboard and, you know, Dan Mullen, the way that he wins this game is just by keeping things tight and hoping that Bo Nix in a pressure situation on the road in the swamp just isn't going to be able to deliver. I don't know if you saw though, Chip last night, but Steve Spurrier popped in and says, you want me to drop some plays? So Florida's <laughs> offense could have something special for you this week. I think Robbie, Robbie Callen pointed this out on Twitter, but it was exactly where my mind went to, where it was like, you can tell by Dan Mullen's expression in that clip on HBO that that's happened before and, or he knew that it was coming with the cameras around. Oh yeah. I didn't watch the, the episode, but I saw the clip floating around on Twitter and, uh, yeah, damn. <laughs> I mean, Dan, Dan Mullen straight up was like rolling his eyes, rubbing his face, like, "Come on, coach. Yeah, like we got work. We got work. Right, to do, right, man. right. He's he is interrupting game prep for that to just like draw up like a play in the sand. Right. You know? Um. Yeah. I. I. Uh, this was this is one of my ten, and you know, Tom. Usually, I run to a fight, but but not today. I'm I'm pulling it off the board. I. And and I didn't even need to hear your explanation, but just you know, with when you play in Florida plus three, like that's just smart. You know, this is this is this is a game that Florida typically figures out a way to win. Like it doesn't necessarily make sense. You can't necess- It doesn't. You can't justify it with logic. But Florida can just figure out these games. And uh, I, I'm playing Auburn in in the the expert picks. I. Think Auburn will win this game, but I also think it could be twenty-one to twenty. I also think it could be, a, you know, I think Florida could get some get a pick six, and that just be the difference in uh, a game that goes under forty-five. You know, and it's like I just as much as I think Auburn is a better team, this spot is a scary spot to bet against Florida. So. Um, so you're just you playing it gave me enough of an edge, a nudge away from the edge. So I'm going to pull it off the board for me. There's so much weird energy in around like Florida football at home when they get that 330 spot that if Auburn is up 20 to 14 and Kyle Trask is driving for the win, I'm almost certain that uh, the Gators are going to win that game or, or vice versa. Like or if uh, Florida is up three and and Auburn is driving for the win. No chance. You know, like they're gonna they're gonna get the sacks. Yeah. yeah, or like you know, it's just gonna be. Yeah, it it it's, it absolutely is that kind of game. Um. Well, yeah, I like I like all that right there. Okay, so we've we've hit on some. We got our Michigan State Ohio State. Uh, we've got our Florida Auburn CBS Sports game of the week. We've got our Iowa Michigan. So um, it's, time to get weird. Yeah, it's time to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take. The Louisville Cardinals coming off the off week at home against a Boston College team that let it slip away to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in Chestnut Hill. I've got this at six points. And I think these are two programs that are sort of phase, you know, moving in different directions. The Cards, year one under Scott Satterfield, new staff, uh, you know, a little bit of good energy about them. Disappointing loss in Tallahassee to Florida State. But I think that with the extra time to prepare, they're catching a Boston College team that as things are kind of starting to crumble a little bit, uh, for at least defensively for sure, 
for the for the Steve Adazio era in uh, in Chestnut Hill. I'm I, I really like the Cards to be able to win this game by a touchdown. I think that this is the kind of win that is uh, within their reach, and because it's within their reach. Uh, it's it's going to feel like one of the games of the year uh, in ACC play for the for the cards. So give me Louisville minus six. You can get it at five and a half. I'll take it at five and a half. I like it. I, yeah, I don't hate it. I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with just kind of blindly fading Boston College right now. I don't have a great feel either way for this game though, so I can't really join you. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't I don't know um, I don't know what to make with with BC, and uh, but I do like the idea of just getting um, you know getting Louisville on the way up here. Uh, Barton. All right, where to go next? Where to go next? All right, I think I'm gonna go. You know, the Pac-12 has been pretty good to me this year, so I got two games out there. This is a big favorite week for me. I've been kind of a favorite guy lately. Um, I think how about another fade wash uh, another fade of Stanford. Just keep it keep it rolling. Just just I mean it's been it's been like a three what like I don't know, is it three straight weeks for me now? But the, I mean Washington <clears throat> didn't even really play that great on offense last week, and they still covered against USC. They this Stanford team is still just, I mean, not there. I think Washington's starting to get it rolling. I think the defense was really impressive last week in the way they defended uh, that USC passing attack. And I think the run game's starting to get some confidence behind Salvin Ahmed. I think I'm going to go Washington again, fade Stanford again. Uh, it's at, I think, 16 is sort of the consensus number. So give me Washington minus 16. Man. Yep. Are you in on it too? No, no, no. I'm uh, saying that was the 16 was the number you could find. Uh, Stanford's offensive line. The Stanford offensive line ranks 89th in the country in line yards. <laughs> I mean, sad. Sad. Sad, sick, sad world. You know what? Two words you can spell with Stanford: S- sad. soft and sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Some some Pac-12 listener, make it a T-shirt. I'll buy one. I will too. Uh, entrepreneurs out there, yeah, let's go. Looking to sell two shirts. <laughs> <laughs> We won't cover the cost for the screen, but I will buy one shirt. <laughs> Keep uh, your name out there, kid. All right. Uh, Tom, to you. Oh, I mean, I can't believe I waited this long. Longtime followers will know this one is coming. I am taking the under 45 in Air Force Navy. Principle. Principle. It's two option offenses. Now, I was literally this week waiting, hovering over my online book for them to post the total in this game so that I could hammer the under as soon as it came up, whatever it was. And that's what I did. And you know why I did that? Because since the 2010 season, there have been 27 games between the three service academies, Army, Navy, and Air Force. 
In those 27 games, the under is 22, 4, and 1. Because they're all option offenses. And what do option offenses want to do? Put together long, time-consuming drives and shorten the game. So when you put two of them on the field together, we're talking very limited possessions, very limited opportunity to score. And also in option offenses, there tend to be a lot more fumbles, which can stall a lot of drives. And unlike in other games, once the option offense takes over after a fumble, they've got to put together another long drive. So it all depresses scoring. This is going to be a low-scoring, fun option affair. It's my lock of the week in the six-pack. It's my lock of the week on the locks pod. Get it. Get it now. Go. You should just pre-record your service academy under and just punch the button every every year, the couple times they play, and uh, and that just kind of should just play your your service academy under drop. I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to clip it and then I'll put some um, patriotic strings underneath it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's Chip, let them know. And then we can just go ahead and let it roll. <laughs> save your, save your very, uh, your, your great resource of your breath so that you can uh, have it for the other ones. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to keep the, Service Academy's love rolling because that is at 3.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, you know, lock of the week. So you want to be on it. CBS Sports Network, by the way, which you can stream on CBSSports.com or the CBS Sports mobile app. Just log in with your cable provider. CBS Sports Network at noon is one of my favorite games of the day. We got Tulane, Willie Fritz leading the green wave up to West Point, taking on Jeff Munkin's Army squad. Willie Fritz, Jeff Munkin, one of these guys has got to have a Power 5 job in 2020. Let's just say the winner's going to get it. And you know what? I'm going to take the troops, the United States Military Academy, at home as a home underdog, catching three. I think that when it comes to this game, it looks like the kind of spot where um, the cadets are just going to get it done on the field straight up. Straight up. Winning outright. Money line sprinkle if you want to go take it. So give me Army plus three for the lock. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we were asked on Saturday night. One of the listener questions for me was, would I rather have Jeff Munkin or Willie Fritz coaching Illinois? I didn't even realize they were playing each other this week when that question was asked. Had I known, I would have said that the winner of this game should get the Illinois job. There you go. Assuming that it comes open, which we don't know for sure. Because Illinois could easily get to a bowl game still. Whoa, 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 whoa. Bowl game? I'm just, you know, staying optimistic. Could, could Illinois for- could, uh, they, they got a winnable game this week, don't they? Who are they playing? They're playing they got uh, a lot of winnable games now because Minnesota is the most fraudulent undefeated team in the country. Purdue has lost Rondale Moore and Elijah Sindelar. The Big Ten West outside of Wisconsin is looking like it's got quite the soft underbelly. Even Northwestern's winnable now. So while I think that Illinois is still not very good, when you look at the state of the division, it's not crazy to think they're going to win a few games. All right. I mean, that Eastern Michigan loss is going to end up haunting them. Oh, God, it's going to. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> don't forget, if you want to get in, just like uh, for that Jeff Monk and Willie Fritz question that was answered on Saturday night since the Reaction Pod, uh, head on over to the Cover 3 page, leave a five-star rating, a review, and uh, your question for us, your comment for us, uh, we will address it on Saturday night's Instant Reaction Podcast. Coming up on the other side, more of our Week 6 Locks next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Barton, back to you. Okay. Um, might as well just kind of stick in the Pac-12. Uh, I'm going to play another big favorite. I'm going to go Oregon playing 18. Is that what we're at? Laying 18. Yeah. Did, did anybody watch Cal last week? I did. It was our, it was our uh, lock unity. Lock unity. That was our lock unity. Yeah. Well, you know why? What, what hit on like why that hit beyond all else was quarterback Devin Modster. <laughs> I mean, that guy. That guy's great to fade. Because that guy's going to be uh, be a lucrative quarterback. <laughs> I feel like. I mean, it, this is the uh, Cal's sort of been hanging on by a thread a little bit over the first half of the season, anyways. Um. Chase Garbers was really starting to play well, and that was encouraging. And then he gets hurt, and then you know the offense just just can't can't respond. And I and I actually think that Oregon has got another sort of really impressive game in them. I mean, they're they're coming off a bye. They they covered against Stanford, but it wasn't sort of a dominating cover, twenty-one to six, just sort of getting through it. I think this is an Oregon team that is kind of on a mission at this point. You know, they're getting Cal at home at night off a bye with a backup quarterback. Just this just seems all kinds of wrong for Cal. So I like Oregon to go and and, and pick us pick us number on them. I I knew Devin Modster had transferred from UCLA, but I'd totally forgotten that he transferred to Cal. So when he took over on Friday night and was in there, it's like I recognized him right away. I was like, oh, my God, Devin Monster's with Cal now. <laughs> yeah. And he made himself very familiar very quickly. <laughs> Devin yeah. Monster of uh, Josh Rosen backup fame initially? I remember when the, like the one of the times when Rosen got hurt and Monster came on and like his first or second throw was amazing. Like it was a deep ball and it was an amazing throw. And I was like, oh, wow. UCLA is just going to be just fine, and it hasn't been like that since. Yeah, lucrative opportunities fading a Devin Monster-led Cal. How long is Garbers out? Like for the season. Oh, yeah. my I, God. I think, I mean, it's a significant amount. I mean, it was like a, I can't remember what it was, like a clavicle or something, I mean, something serious. Um, so he's not coming back anytime soon. So Cal, so Cal over Washington is going to be the strangest, like one of those early season outliers that we're going to look back at the end of the year. Wow, that's the reason yeah. Washington can't get in the playoff. Interesting. Um, all right, I am going to take us to 
Uh, noon in Baton Rouge. I know it's a bo- I know it's a body clock kind of spot, but it's also a uh, LSU playing at noon against an opponent that it really should just wax. And I I just wonder if twenty seven and a half is too many daggone points for LSU to be favored in this spot against Jordan Love and the Utah State offense. This very well could be a trap, and LSU's defense could be up for the challenge, but I believe that Utah State is going to be able to score just enough points to be able to uh, to get us this cover, and I don't think, though I could be wrong, but I don't think that I'm going to catch LSU's best offensive performance uh, given the opponent and sort of the spot and the schedule and everything else that we have coming up. Now, all that said, let's say LSU does get off to a hot start. I mean, daggum, they put up 42 points in a quarter against Georgia Southern, so it's possible that they could get it going early. But even in that position, because of everything that we've got coming up later in the season and in the more immediate future, we're going to be having LSU's backups. And while LSU's backups are still talented, I I think that rooting for a backdoor cover – uh, if if Jordan Love's going to stay in the game, is it's definitely something that's possible with this Utah State offense. So give me Utah State plus twenty seven and a half. Lock yep. agreement. Oh, oh well, well. Whoa, you are, are you? Uh, did, was that a well, well, well of you being on the other side of this, Tom? No, 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 no. Oh, uh, no. I, I, I. I'm not, I don't have a lock for this. I'm more on the over than anything, though. I think the over is a good play, too. I don't even know what the over is. I don't even know what the number <laughs> is. <but> 73 <laughs> and a half. <laughs> hey, I've had it. I agree with everything. Like, one, thing, one way I look at this is, what do you think Wake Forest would be? Like, what, what would the number be for Wake Forest LSU? It might be 27 and a half also. But I bet it would be a little lower than that. And... I mean, this is a Utah State team that went on the road at night and nearly knocked off Wake Forest. Uh, they have an NFL quarterback. I, I, I mean, you, I think you kind of hit on all the reasons. I don't need to dig in more, but I agree. I mean, this is—it's it's always a little scary to, you know, to to bet against this LSU team because of the way they're scoring right now. But this is just—this is sort of—you got to take these points. I think. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna it's gonna stink when it's twenty one nothing at the end of the first quarter, but I'll be right. buckled in. I'll be ready. Yeah. I'll be ready to ride that ride. Chip's ready for another UConn fourth quarter. Could be. Uh all right, Tom. Uh I'm gonna stay in my unders. I am taking the under fifty in Baylor and Kansas State. This is this is a big ten game in the Big Twelve, boys. These are two offenses that are never really in a hurry. They're kind of wanting to, you know, they're 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 more power based. Although Baylor is actually, Baylor is the only team so far this season with a perfect fifty fifty balance of runs and passes. Just throwing that out there. That's a fun little stat I like. But anyways, I like this one because Kansas State especially might as well be an option offense with the amount that it runs the ball and the pace that it plays at. In my pace stat that I'm tracking, the only there are only six teams that move slower in the country than Kansas State, and you know four of them 
run the option. And, and as far as running the ball, there's only a few teams that run the ball more often than Kansas State, and most of them are option offenses. So I look at this matchup between two teams who are probably going to be trying to run the ball, trying to establish their physical dominance, and will be playing in a very very windy environment which will limit their passing attacks even further and also limit the field goal game and the punting game i like the under 50 i think this is a baylor kind of 24 23 kind of win i think it's going to be a good game i think it's going to be a close game and i think it's going to be a game i'm going to enjoy watching and it's also one i don't think i'm going to have to sweat the over very much so give me the under 50 mm. makes sense uh i'm going to keep it in the big 12 tom Will you uh will you walk back to the the big map? I'm, I'm gonna need to consult for the weather report in Ames, Iowa. Oh, would you like the weather report in Ames, Iowa? Well, let me let me get out my meteorology chart <laughs> for you here, Chip. We're looking at temperatures in the low to mid fifties throughout Ooh. the game, overcast skies with possible light rain. And look out, folks! You might want to bring a windbreaker because it's gonna be a windy day in Ames. That's right. There's gonna have night. 15 mile an hour crosswinds at the start of the game, which will slowly dissipate as the afternoon goes on, but not much. They'll only dip down to 14, Chip. So it's going to be a cold, windy day in Ames. 50 <laughs> degrees, light rain, and 14 to 19 mile an hour winds with TCU's offense? Whew. Buckle up. Let's go under 45 in Iowa State TCU. You're going to be shocked to hear this, but... Lock agreement, Chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Iowa State can't run the ball. We discussed this last week. It was one of the reasons I was taking Baylor against them. And they're going to try to throw the ball. And it's a lot harder to throw the ball in the wind because these are like the same kind of weather conditions minus the thunderstorms that we saw when Iowa State hosted Iowa a few weeks ago. And we saw how much that offense struggled in that game. And I think they're going to have a very similar kind of struggle trying to move the ball here because of that wind. And I think that this is a very, very nice wonder we have. Barton? It's been a fun game. This is an Iowa State team that keeps everything in front of them. TCU, if they hey, if they can't throw it, then they'll be probably fine leaning on that run game, which is pretty good. But I mean, the pace of it, yeah, I think I think that makes sense. This is this is a big week for the brand, Tom. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's you a know. windy weekend. <laughs> you, got, you got four of your five plays are unders right now. You got a service academy under. You got. Uh, I mean, this is man. Told you I was in my bag this week. I'm feeling excited. Great. This is you're energized this week. Back to you, Barton. All right. Um, let's see. I'm gonna go another big, big number. Uh, Penn State's laying 27 and a half against Purdue, and. I hate to sort of seem like I'm just overly influenced by what happened against Maryland. And I guess, truth be told, maybe I am a little bit influenced by what happened at Maryland. But I also, when you look at this Purdue team, A, they can't run the football. They're not very good on defense. Their best linebackers out for the year. Their their best defender is a true freshman. They Their best player, one of the best players in the country, is out. Their quarterback is out. I mean, this is going to take a real magician-type showing here for Jeff Brom 
to make this a close game. And I and I know that Penn State just blew out Maryland, and, and maybe that they kind of fired their bullet there. But I wanted to look and keep in mind they got at Iowa next week, which is a pretty big game. This one's at home. I wanted to just sort of see how Penn State has done in these, you know, letdown spots before a big game, and they've actually done pretty well. Like. 2016, they pushed against the spread against Temple before they were playing the number four team in the country, Michigan. In 2016, before they played the number two team, Ohio State, they beat the spread by 14 against Maryland. In 2017, a 14-point spread before playing a ranked Michigan, they beat the spread by 10. Before In 2018, before playing number four, Ohio State, you know, a 28-point spread. They beat it by 11 against Illinois. The only one that I – that last year they uh, they didn't cover and they lost to the spread by 11 to Indiana. But that was right after Ohio State-Michigan State, right before Iowa-Michigan. So, like, that was a tough spot, period. I just think right here, given how good this offense is playing, given how depleted Purdue is, given how this is a team that seems to be accelerating, I'm just – I'm going to go ahead and lay this big number and, you know, take the take James Franklin having his team focused for being 1-0 this week. Do we know how long Rondale Moore is out? He's out for... Like, have they given a timetable yet? I don't know that I've seen a timetable, but it's a, it's a while. Let me see. Uh, actually, out indefinitely... Week to week, hyperextended knee, I guess, yeah. was the injury. Yeah, it was. It didn't look good when it happened. It's just, it's like, you look at the problems Purdue was already having, and now that Sindelar's done for the year and more could miss some time, and you just, this is a season, they're one in three as it is. Things could be getting out of, could be just falling by the wayside quickly for this team, because you look, they've got Penn State on the road this week, and then they get Maryland at home, but then they're back on the road for Iowa the week after that. So it's like, if Moore misses the next few weeks, those are two really tough road games as it is, and without Moore and without Sindelar, you feel like they're going to get blown out in a lot of those games. So this is, we're looking at Purdue is probably going to be missing out on a bowl game this year. Mm. Tom? Uh, for my next lock, I'll, I'll stop po- picking unders for now. Although I do have unders left, but I will stay in the Big Ten. I am taking Northwestern Why? plus seven and a half Why? at Nebraska. Oh, oh, yup. This is a situation. <laughs> I mean, I've been hounding Nebraska for this all season long. They cannot stop the run. They are very porous defensively. It has not changed since last year, and. When they were playing games against Colorado and Illinois and playing like crap, they were able to at least stay close because they were playing Colorado and Illinois. Last week against Ohio State, they played the same way, but they played against Ohio State. And if you play like that against Ohio State, they're going to kill you, which is exactly what happened. Now they're playing a Northwestern team that defensively really seemed to get its crap together last week against Wisconsin. It went on the road to Madison and limited the Badgers' offense, which Michigan hadn't been able to do, nobody else had been able to do before. So I feel like Northwestern at least is getting it right on defense finally. So going on the road against Nebraska, 
I think that Adrian Martinez, who has struggled with turnovers all year and has not really taken that step forward, he's kind of plateaued. I think this is going to be a tough matchup for Nebraska. I think Northwestern, which can't pass the ball to save its life, is going to see a situation where, hey, at least we're going to be able to finally find success running the ball because everybody else has been able to run all over this Nebraska team. So I think Northwestern is going to be able to you know, control the clock as much as possible to keep that Nebraska offense off the field, which will help its defense even further. And plus... This is Pat Fitzgerald on the road as an underdog. A little used principle that we talked about. Since Pat Fitzgerald took over at Northwestern in 2006, Northwestern has been a road underdog 48 times. It is 32-16 and 16 against the spread in those games. These are when Pat Fitzgerald t- teams shine. I don't know that they're going to get the outright upset, but they could. So I'm taking Northwestern plus 7.5. Lock it up. Wow. Is Northwestern a bottom 25 team? No, they're on the precipice. Yeah. That's that's a that's a that's a that's that's a, that's a big time move for you, Tom. They played well enough against Wisconsin to slide out last week. So I have a few thoughts. Um I think this is typically a game you know, look, I, I'm a Nebraska guy. I'm a Scott Frost guy. I haven't played Nebraska yet this year. I, I feel like they've been inflated. Um, this is absolutely the type of game that Northwestern usually goes in and gives somebody trouble. Um, but, Tom, I, you know, I walked away from a lock fight earlier this pod. <laughs> I can't look myself in the mirror, wake up in the morning, go to sleep at night, tell my kids at, at story time that I walked away from two fights in one day. Uh, we're going to fight on this one, man. Fight, 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 fight. I'm so happy. Your record could lo- use a loss or two, so come get one. All right, Nebraska minus seven and a half. Look, I, I, I fully acknowledge Northwestern as a team that is, you know, they, they look, I played against, I picked against them last week, and it was the wrong side, and they they very well could have failed to cover on that one. I mean, Wisconsin had his chances, but it took some kind of weird plays to make that happen. Northwestern will slow this game down. They'll try to, and they'll try to make this uh, ugly and nasty. And, and yet, I really think Nebraska, after the way it got beat last week, with another home game, with still waiting to make some sort of a statement this year, with Northwestern just not being as good as it's been the last few years. I mean, some of those teams have been just at least competent on offense. I don't it's it's really hard to figure out how Northwestern plans to move the football. You know, they it took some weird stuff last week for it to be in a position to score points and and cover that spread. And I know that's against Wisconsin, but I just think Nebraska is it's it's time for it to make that make that statement when not that this is gonna you know send reverberations around the college football world but it will within the cover three podcast give me Nebraska laying the points lock fight so happy to see it it's our first lock fight since week three yeah it's that was between me and Chip I won by the way Barton just, just all right all right all right been in our lock fight in week two you know who won that one me that's right. Are you two well, and we're, uh, 
Yeah, we're one and we're one and one in lock fights, you and yeah. I, Tom. I'm one and zero oh in the last one, though, baby. We've been, <laughs> we've, been, we've been tangling a lot this year. All right, I got to do it. I had to do it to him. We're going to South Bend. Oh, I know what this is. Yeah, we're, we're going to Brian Brian Kelly against Brian Van Gorder. Oh, <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm not gonna lay the big number. Oh, do it! No, do no, it. no, 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 no. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get this under because I don't think Bowling Green scores a damn point in this game. I'm gonna go Notre Dame under. What's the what's the, what's the number? Uh, the total is at forty five. Wait, no, sixty one. Yeah, yeah, sixty one. Sixty one. Lay the 46, Chip. All right, cool. Let's do it. Let's lay 45. (laughs) (laughs) Double. Let's go. We'll get the the under, and we'll do Notre Dame over. Hell yeah. So I've got a 15-point middle. (laughs) I need the specific score (laughs) of like 53 to... Seven. Chip, 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 don't don't lock up the. We we talked about this. Who the, Notre Dame plays USC next week. Yeah yeah don't, yeah yeah. Don't, lock, uh, yeah. Take it but. take it off the board. Take oh what a, <laughs> what a tease! What a tease! Yeah yeah. Oh, I was so excited. If they I was were about, playing, <laughs> I was about to just game. rub it in Tom's face after he after he bet on Van Gorder that this Tom this is how you trust Brian Van Gorder <laughs> and uh, pull it off the board. All right. Right. Let it, Notre Dame's next two games are against USC and Michigan. There is no way that we're going to see them doing a damn thing that they don't have to do in this game. Yeah. Uh, this might be this. Yeah, this game might be like twenty-eight to ten or something. <laughs> like they might not care at all. Yeah. Once they get up and it's over, they're probably just going to you know pull their pieces off the board. Yeah. Ian <laughs> Ian Book might not play the entire first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, under sixty one. <laughs> That's thanks, thanks Tom for saying. Chip, we talked about this. <laughs> I pulled you aside at your bachelor party and I told you, no, Chip. This is this is a classic look ahead spot. Um. All right, Tom, back to you. Uh, I am going to take. I was listen. I was tempted to take Virginia Tech in the points. Oh, I was a little tempted there too. Yeah, you I just, with this? I can't pull the trigger on it though. I, I I can't find the courage. So instead, I'm going to take the under 47 in Virginia Tech at Miami. Uh, I just don't see a ton of points being scored in this game. I mean, Virginia Tech's offense has been just horrible. Its defense has not been great, but Miami's offense on the other side has not been very explosive. It hasn't been bad. But it's there's nothing about the Hurricanes' offense that truly scares me right now. I think that Jaron Williams has been very solid, but there's not a ton there. And then also just the under is three one and one the last five years these two teams have met. The last eight games in Miami, the under has gone seven and one. So I just think this is going to be kind of a sloppy, not a very fun game to be watching. I just don't see a ton of points. So under forty seven, lock it up. Yeah, I, everybody agrees. Yeah, I, I um, like I'm still kind of tempted to take Virginia Tech. Yeah, plus right. The points like why? Like my really? Like Miami's going to be a two touchdown favorite here? Really? Um, 
But that feels a little bit more like an NFL principle than a college principle. Like, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess like it's not unreasonable to think Miami could win this game by 14 plus. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll circle back to this, but well, because you can see 28 to 14, you could see both these teams making tons of mistakes and it being a horrible football game, but Miami wins 28 to 14. It's I like, mean, isn't this a little bit of like, like an Alamo for Virginia tech? I mean, isn't yeah. this just a pride game. Like what you got to play well here. If you don't play well here, then what, what the hell are we even doing? That's the thing. This strikes me as like one of those situations where in a vacuum you'd be, it's like, of course you'd take Virginia tech plus 14. But when you look at everything around the program right now, like you said, there's an Alamo aspect to it, but are they going to stand up and fight or are they just going to lay down and die? And that yeah. that's, that's what I can't say. I know for sure, because I just, based on what I've seen from this team towards the end of last season and into this year, it's just, I don't know if that kind of, I don't know, character is there right no, now? man. They've got some quit in their system. Yeah, yeah, and like it, it hasn't gotten out of it. They might be trying to take some medicine to get the quit out of their system, but if I mean, we saw it last week. Yeah, if they if this game hits a point where they're just kind of over it, they're just going to start thinking about getting out of there, getting home. Well, the 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 tiebreaker for me, I'm pulling it off the board because it looks like the and it's not significant. It's not like a a a, a major public play, but it looks like the majority of the bets are coming in on Virginia Tech. So it's not like this is some uh, revolutionary idea that we've got that Virginia Tech was, would, would cover this. So I'm going to I'm gonna stay all, I'm gonna stay away from this one. Yeah, it, they're all coming in on Virginia Tech, and the line has not really moved in Virginia Tech's favor. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Barton. Okay, th- this one, there's a couple different ways I could go with this one. Uh, Texas is going to Morgantown. 2.30 kick central time. Um, They're, I mean, they're, they're laying 11 and they've got Oklahoma on the horizon. They've got a ton missing on defense. I mean, they're just sort of the, the, the walking wounded right now defense. I mean, a lot of guys that particularly in the secondary are out. I'm really tempted to play Virginia plus the points as a home dog here. Uh, big time opportunity for Neil Brown to catch Texas and a look ahead spot with a really banged up roster. I think the one I'm a little bit more confident in right now is the over. Uh, it's at 60 and a half. So I'm going to play this, the over 60 and a half. Let you guys talk about it as I decide whether or not I want to play the, the points as well. I like the overplay. I mean, this isn't, uh, the only, to me, the only thing that would damage this overplay. And again, this is like probably trying to overthink it, but if, Texas knows where it's at defensively. Is Texas going to be more prone to trying to put together long methodical drives with Sam Ellinger and Keontae Ingram kind of running the ball a little bit of dink and dunk, just, just be methodical and, uh, and pick West Virginia apart as a pl- as opposed to feeling like they really need to, uh, score really, really quick. So it's, Maybe possible that Texas takes some of the air out of this game as a as a method of protecting itself against its weakness. But 
I, I think that's a little bit too much uh, projection for me to feel like that's a reason not to jump on that pick. I'm I'm not locking it up, but if you want some support for taking West Virginia, I this was on my board. It's just I've got nine games already, so I'm not going to add a tenth. But this is the first time Texas will be playing on the road this year, and next week is Oklahoma. So yeah. you got a look ahead spot, and you got a first actual road game. I just I, wanted this number to be like fifteen. Yeah, like eleven is just uh, but. I, I, I think it's the right play, though. I really do think West Virginia is the right play here. I'm just, I'm, you know what? Let's just, I'm just going to play it. Throw it on the board. West Virginia plus 11. Very reluctant. Very reluctantly here. No, I think you'll, I think you'll be happy with this one. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate the support. <laughs> Still going to beat you in Northwestern Nebraska, though. <laughs> All right. My final lock of the week is going back. To the Yukon Huskies. <laughs> because we are in full fade Charlie Strong mode. As long as Charlie Strong is the head coach of the South Florida Bulls in the 2019 season, fading South Florida will be on my first draft for the locks. And after seeing that fight and that heart for, with 21 unanswered to finish the game, that kind of pride is what I like to see. So I'm going to take the Huskies at home, plus 11, against a very bad South Florida team. Lego. What you got to love about the locks pod is that Tom marries UCLA and Chip marries UConn. <laughs> <laughs> and and they've been winning because of it the whole time. Yeah, but I, uh, I'm, I am not – I will never try to talk you out of marrying UConn over – South Florida, <laughs> right. that, you know, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. That's that is, uh, you know, UConn may may be crazy, but she ain't South Florida crazy. So <laughs> she's she's really straightened herself out over the last couple of years. You know, there was a time when I wouldn't have supported this this union, but uh, she's gone to see she's she's seen a therapist. She's a little she's got things straightened out a little bit, and now it's now it's South Florida that's that's kind of the rabbit boiler. So. Go uh, go get it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad someone's on this one. <laughs> Fade Chuck Strong every week. It's at least it's at least that's in consideration. Like a, that's been like a three week. Um, that, that's been like a three year principle. It was a, at least a principle last year. I think it was a principle two years ago too, as as it got towards the, the tail end of the season because they had that really strong start where they're blowing everyone out, and there's like, well, but wait a minute, this is something's fishy here, and it's ever since then, this has been a good a good spot to be in. Mm-hmm. But I mean, hey, this would be yeah. This is this is two this is two juggernaut fade teams <laughs> going head to head. UConn plus eleven. Let's go. Um, all right, so Tom, back to you. Uh, I'm gonna take for my next pick. I'm taking Vandy plus seven and a half at Ole Miss. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> we got it. We got a dental fight. Oh, no. Dude, and... Fight, 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 fight. (laughs) Well, Well, a lot of the air just left my sail. (laughs) But 
I'm I'm gonna stick to it. Uh, I mean, Ole Miss is just not very good. I'm sorry, and I know Vandy hasn't been great, but I think going on the road in this spot with Keyshawn Vaughn, they'll they'll be able to move the ball on the ground. They'll be able to run the ball. They'll be able to keep it close and lower scoring. And I mean, this is just a series where Vanderbilt has done really well in the last. 18 meetings. Vanderbilt is 13 and 5 against the spread, and they're 8 and 2 against the spread against Ole Miss in the last 10 times they've played in Oxford. This has just historically been a spot where Vanderbilt has done well. So I don't think they're going to go into Oxford and beat the Rebels, but I do think they're going to stick within a touchdown at least. So I, I'm, I'm taking the Commodores, but again, a lot of the wind has left my sense. <laughs> So here's because it is a lock fight. I'll give you the full dentist breakdown here. He says, "Give me Ole Miss." And by the way, the dentist seems actually fairly confident here. Um, he said, "There's some slight optimism regarding the process, the progress of this team. Not that they are very good, but that some young players are catching on, and there are some options at quarterback. There's also the feeling around the program that this Vandy game is the biggest game of Matt Luke's career." He simply cannot afford to lose this game. If he were to lose this game, he would almost certainly lose his support from the most staunch Luke supporters. As sad as it is, I think they have this game circled. They need it badly to even sniff a chance of six wins, and I think you'll see a similar result to the Ole Miss-Arkansas game. And then he says something that isn't kid-friendly uh, about <laughs> Vanderbilt. My favorite <laughs> bet is he's, what he loves, the bet he loves, the, the dentist is loading up on Ole Miss minus four first half line. So if you want to catch a first half line, uh, dive in on that one, kids. But uh, that's the Dennis's favorite bet of the weekend. But he also seems to be more confident than usual on Ole Miss laying the points. Question for the lock board. Uh, since we all agree and shop around, can I get Vandy plus seven and a half and the dentist can get Ole Miss minus seven? Because both are available. Or do we have to have the same number? No, I think <laughs> uh, that's a good. I mean, that's a good question. What I mean, if we for, middle this? What if both the dentist and I? Somehow... <laughs> because the funny thing is, there is also a six and a half line out there too. There's, a, I see six and a half, I see seven and a half, and I see seven. Yeah, I'll give him the six and a half. We could try to middle this big. <laughs> <laughs> there, I, I will say there is. It looks like William Hill, the Hilton. Like, there's a couple of places that there's a seven and a half. So I'll give you seven and a half. Thank but you. if we're gonna do that, I think you give the dentist six, six and, and a half, half. That yeah, is out there. So yeah, this could be a middle here. Oh, this could be the greatest lock pod <laughs> fight but in history. Can, can, can we make it a middle, but still make make this a lock fight? Is that possible? This is this is too this is too good of a fight to just. You know, leave it off the board completely. So split the difference at seven. Yeah, I, I say split the difference at seven because then if you if y'all push it, then that's the result of a proper lock fight. Yeah, this just feels feels like too much anticipation to. If, you know. if we push, we're gonna need like a Dalton from Roadhouse. Nobody wins in a fight, Doc. <laughs> 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 oh man! Uh, all right, so I'm I'm cleaned out. Barton, what do you have left? I'm done. I was that that West Virginia plus eleven was uh was from off the board even so I'm I'm past done. Tom, I am not done. I have one left. I'm taking the under fifty four in Eastern Michigan at Central Michigan. Oh! 
as I have mentioned earlier, it is a windy weekend in the country. It's fall. It's October. The gray clouds are rolling into the Midwest, and with them, they are bringing the breeze. Temps in the low low 60s, upper 50s, crosswinds between 12 and 13 miles an hour. Two offenses that aren't very explosive. Give me the wonder. Give me the under. Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, under 54. Lock it up. Oh, man, what a week for Tom. Now you're in heaven. In my bag. One, two, three, four, five. Six unders and three, three under and three dogs. Six unders, three dogs, one Mac under, one Service Academy under. I mean, just a brilliant week. <laughs> okay. I'm going nine and zero, oh, boys. <laughs> a Michigan State under in there. Yeah, oh, man, what a what a week. Tom's week. All right, uh, let's let's review Tom's board first. Uh, under fifty in Michigan State, Ohio State, Florida plus three against Auburn in the SEC on CBS game of the week. Under 45 in Air Force Navy. You can catch that on CBS Sports Network. Under 50 in Baylor, Kansas State. Under 47 in Virginia Tech, Miami. Under 45 in Iowa State, TCU. Northwestern plus 7.5. Vanderbilt plus 7. And the under 54 in Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan. Barton's card. Under 47.5 in Iowa, Michigan. Ohio State minus 20 against Michigan State. Washington minus 16 against Stanford. Oregon minus 18 against Cal. Utah State plus 27.5 at LSU. Penn State minus 27.5 plus 27.5. Penn State minus 27.5 going up against Purdue. Nebraska minus 7.5 against Northwestern. The over 60.5 in West Virginia, Texas. And West Virginia, home dog plus 11. Chips card. Hot and humid over in Greenville, North Carolina on Thursday night. Over 47.5 Temple ECU. The under 48.5 in Florida Auburn. Louisville minus 5.5 with Boston College in town. Army plus 3. You can catch that at noon on CBS Sports Network. Tulane's in town. Uh, Utah State plus 27.5 at LSU. The under 45 in Iowa State TCU. And the under 61 in Notre Dame Bowling Green. And uh, the lock fights or Northwestern and, and Nebraska with Tom on Northwestern, Barton on Nebraska, uh, Vanderbilt Ole Miss with Tom on Vandy and the dentist on Ole Miss, our lock agreements, uh, Barton and Chip both on Utah State plus 27 and a half, Tom and Chip both on the under 45 in Iowa State TCU. Uh, please, again, reminder, if you want to uh, contribute to our Instant Reaction podcast, if you have a question for us that you want to hear us answer, a comment, it can be from some action in the day, or it could just be anything about college football. Uh, we had fun uh, responding and bringing y'all into the mix, and I, I think the listeners seem to have fun uh, hearing it. So the response was good all the way around. Uh, gentlemen, how are we feeling? La- final thoughts here as we uh, head into week six. 9 and 0 scared I'm a little scared this week but let's go <laughs> all right you can follow him on twitter at barton simmons you can follow him at tom Fernell. you can follow me at chip underscore patterson we will be back saturday night instant reaction podcast get those questions in with a five-star rating gentlemen thank you very much thank you Zer.